0: Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. And this is Love to Tell the Story. Life is full of what might best be described as mountaintop experiences. That is those moments when we really do get a true sense of God's great presence and power in our lives. And it's an amazing thing. However, it can also be argued that faith begins at the moment when we come down from the mountain. Based on the story of the transfiguration of Christ from Matthew 17, verses 1 through 9, that's the subject of today's message. And it begins with a story of a literal mountaintop experience of my own. One summer, several years ago, when our children were young, our family did some camping at Mount Blue State Park, which is located, if you don't know, in the beautiful western mountains of Maine, Farmington Weld, up in that region. And as part of that experience in the week we spent there, the kids and I decided one morning that we would actually climb Mount Blue itself. Now, let me tell you up front that on paper, that didn't seem like a hard thing. The park brochure said that the trail that we were going on uh, was a relatively easy one. And what's more, you could drive right up to the base of the mountain, park your car, and then you only had to walk about a mile and a half long trail to reach the summit. I mean, what could be simpler? Of course, what they don't tell you in that park brochure is that's a mile and a half straight up. (laughs) So I'll admit it. It was an arduous climb for the children, and most especially for the father. And honestly, we spent as much time sitting down to rest as we did actually walking. It's no coincidence that the gift shops are in those parts. They sell t shirts, keychains, and such that proclaim, I survived Mount Blue. <laughs> Despite the huffing and puffing, however, we did make it to the top, and it was well worth the climb. The view was amazing. It's a literal panorama of God's glory revealed in the beauty of creation. And we pretty much spent the rest of the day just drinking it in. And I have to say, I'm feeling pretty good about what we'd accomplished. And I'm even getting a little cocky about it. I went into full dad mode. I I remember saying to the kids, you know, this wasn't easy. But in the eternal struggle of man versus wilderness, we triumphed. But then I made my real mistake, friends, because I added these words. And getting back down will be a piece of cake. (laughs) Very definitely a mistake. Fact is, heading back, I made the interesting discovery that I was tired that my legs were stiff and hurting, my arthritic knees were starting to kill, and every single step I made walking down that mountain trail felt like it might well be my last. And adding insult to injury was the fact that Jake, who was, I think, about 14 at the time, and Zach, who was seven, fairly well ran down the trail, leaving Sarah and I to go slowly painfully hobbling down the trail. And truth be told, I think Sarah, my sweet little girl, (laughs) she was holding back because she felt sorry for me. (laughs) At one point in this trip down the mountain, we're about three quarters of the way down and we run into some hikers who are on their way up the trail. And one of them says to me, there's two kids down there. A big one and a little one. And they're draped over the hood of a car. Do they belong to you? And I said, uh, yeah. Uh, are they all right? Oh, yeah, he said back. They're just wondering if you're going to make it back anytime soon. <laughs> so much for the triumph of a mountaineer. Now, needless to say, we did make it down. Eventually, tired and sore, But otherwise, none the worse for wear. It had been a good time. It remains a great memory for the kids and me. And I did learn an important lesson. That oftentimes, the hardest part of climbing a mountain is coming back down. And eventually, guess what? You always have to come down from the mountain. It's a lesson I've thought about again a great deal as I've returned this week to this morning's reading from Matthew. That which Kaja shared with us the story of how Jesus led three of the disciples up a high mountain by themselves. Where Jesus was transfigured before them, his face shining like the sun and his clothes becoming dazzling white. You know, actually, it makes sense to me that the setting for this particular story is a mountaintop. Because throughout Scripture, mountains always hold a place of great significance. Basically, if anybody from the Bible goes up a mountain, you know something important is going to happen. It was on a mountain, for example, when Moses was confronted by the burning bush. And later, it was a mountain where he received the Ten Commandments. The temple of of Israel in Jerusalem was built on Mount Zion. One of Jesus' most powerful teaching is now commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And even his crucifixion took place, as the song goes, on a hill far away, Golgotha, the place of the skull, otherwise known as Mount Calvary. In the Bible, you see, Mountains are always considered to be places of revelation, settings of clarity and wonder, and more often than not, they serve to illumine that which happens beyond it. And so it follows that it's on the mountaintop where Peter, James, and John see Jesus bathed in that brilliant, dazzling light. And it's there with incredible clarity that they come to recognize just who Jesus is. Jesus who is standing there and in as one translation puts it in deep conversation with Moses the lawgiver and with Elijah the prophet. This was for them an experience filled to overflowing with God's mystery and power. And it was awesome and terrifying all at the same time and and also it's not at all surprising that peter's first thought in that moment was to preserve the moment forever it's good for us to be here he says to jesus if you wish i will make three dwellings here one for you one for moses one for elijah That is a really interesting statement on Peter's part. Now, what's interesting is that in Mark's version of the story, this appears in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, in Mark's version, we're told that Peter was so stunned by what was happening that he didn't know what to say. The message goes so far as to say he was babbling at this point. And so those words he spoke were those that he just sort of blurted out without thinking, Actually, though, I've always kind of felt like, I go the way Matthew does here. I've always kind of felt that it was sort of an awe-inspired gesture on Peter's part. It was an effort to try to hang on to the feeling of this mountaintop experience as long as possible. I remember being up on Mount Blue and we sitting and looking at that uh, 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 that vista before us, and thinking to myself, oh, I just could just stay here forever. And I'll let you in on a little secret. Uh, this was about the time we also had one of our very first cell phones. And so, how cool would it be, I thought, if I called my, my home phone and left a message from atop Mount Blue? Don't know what I was thinking, but it was a way that I could go back and say, oh, that was great. Alas, there was no signal up there, but um, <laughs> I tried. And this is what Peter was doing in his own fashion. I just want to keep this, hang on to it, have it be there forever. But of course, the thing about mountaintop experiences is that try as we might for it to be otherwise, they aren't made to last. And the Gospels all make it clear that suddenly as this one began, it was over. And when they opened their eyes, And they looked around, all they saw was Jesus, only Jesus. It had been this incredible fleeting moment of wonder and terror and divine revelation, and now it was gone. But here's the thing that we need to take from this reading today. Though the disciples' transfiguration experience had passed, their journey, just about in every sense of the word, was just beginning. And we know this because of the very next verse in Matthew's account of all this, that just as soon as it was done, they were coming down from the mountain. You see, this is the other thing about mountaintop experiences. Eventually, you'll always have to come down from the mountain. And while that's often, usually, the harder part of the experience for a whole lot of reasons, it's also the place where the next part of the journey and true faith begins. It's worth pointing out here that, biblically speaking, this transfiguration story comes essentially at the midpoint of the gospel. It's true in Matthew and Mark and Luke. Up till this point in the story, we've learned about Jesus' teaching and healing acts. We have learned about his growing ministry. And even after the experience of the transfiguration, all that does continue for Jesus and his disciples. Except that now, it's different. Now, you see, it's off to Jerusalem with all that that journey implies. In other words, we've had a moment of glory up on the mountain. But now it's time to come back to the valley. It's time for them and for us to go to the cross. Likewise, it's no coincidence that this is the story that bridges the boundary between the season of Epiphany, in which we have, as we have today, reveling in the light of Christ coming into the world and the season of Lent, when we remember how darkness sought to overcome that light. Moreover, this is a story that serves as a reminder to us that in the Christian life, we always stand in the boundary between mountain and valley, light and darkness, radiance and pain. In faith, as in life, we cannot avoid the darkness and pain you see. The reality of things is that we can't stay on the mountain forever, but always have to come down into the valleys of life to face all the dangers that dwell there. Now, I know there are those who would succumb to this notion that the Christian life is simply one mountaintop experience after another, and that a belief in Jesus somehow removes you from things like human hurt and personal tragedy and and the many injustices of life. But the truth is that for believer and unbeliever alike, there is trouble in life. We know that. It rains on the just and the unjust. And anyone who approaches faith with the expectation that all of life is gonna be sunshine and roses, will one of other couple things happen. Either they drop out at the first sign of trouble or else they will glean onto some bad theology that convinces them that they are somehow personally at fault for every bad thing that has happened. That they caused it. That is a burden, friends, that some people carry for a lifetime. It's one of the great misunderstandings of the Christian faith, in my opinion. That Its power is to be measured based purely on the good things that happen. You see, the difference between this kind of thinking and true Christian faith is that we already know there are going to be dark valleys. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There it is. And that we know that the shadow of death lingers over so much of the human experience. But nonetheless, friends as we come down off of that mountain, as we go into the valley, as we face that darkness, we walk confidently because we also know that we're not going into the valley alone, but in the embrace of God who brings us safely to green pastures and still waters. That's true faith, friends. And what we discover in this transfiguration story we've shared today is that this true faith finds its assurance, its blessed assurance, as it were, in Jesus. We find it there in the final moment of that wondrous experience when the cloud overshadows the disciples on the mountain and they hear this voice from heaven say, this is my son, the beloved, and with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And by the way, it's not a coincidence that those are very similar to the words that were heard at his baptism. And you see, whether they realized it or understood it at all, these three slack-jawed Awe struck and fear ridden disciples had just been given the key to dealing with everything that was to come their way. To listen, to learn, and to trust. To listen to what Jesus is saying to you. To learn from his teachings and trust that even now, as you have to come down from the mountain, you're going to be led safely through the dark valleys ahead. I'm reminded here of something the great Frederick Buechner wrote some years ago about a time in his life when he was filled with despair over his daughter's ongoing struggle with the eating disorder anorexia. Now, as you can imagine, this constitutes a nearly impossible situation for any parent. I have known of families who have fairly well fallen apart because of that medical situation. And it was the case for Beacon. In fact, in a book of his entitled Telling Secrets, he tells the story about how one day he was driving back to his home in Vermont and sick with worry over his child, so filled with anxiety that he was forced to pull over on a highway rest stop so that he could at least compose himself for the remainder of his journey. And he said in this book that, as he was sitting there in the parking lot, Beatner spied a car nearby with a vanity license plate. And although he noted later, This time, it really wasn't a vanity plate because the plate read simply in capital letters, TRUST. Buechner said that he saw it as a revelation. And in that precise moment, he said there was a sense of calm that swept over his life. And he knew somehow, some way, that he could go on. Now, never mind that the vehicle in question was a company car owned by a New England bank trust department officer, it was the word trust on that license plate that made all the difference. A simple insight, a little snippet of divine teaching, a vision of what had been his all along. Love and strength and above all, hope. You know what I'm talking about here. Every once in a while, we do get a glimpse, a real glimpse of who Jesus is and what Jesus has to give us. Sometimes it comes in the midst of worship and prayer. Other times it comes in the love and encouragement that's shared between friends. Perhaps it's there in the fleeting memory of a particular time or place that stirs our heart just for the thought of it. A singular moment, a numinous experience, as the theologian Rudolf Otto has referred to it. That mountainous, mountaintop experience in which we knew, if only for an instant, that we are standing face to face with the Lord. This morning's gospel reminds us to hold on to such things, most especially when we're coming down from the mountain. For these are the moments that will sustain us as we walk more deeply into life and as our faith transforms us from people who just merely plod along the way to those who walk boldly and in tandem with Jesus Christ. As a people who understands that even walking through the darkness of valleys, there's going to be a light that's leading us forward. And it'll be brilliant. Beloved, I hope and I pray that whether your journey this week finds you climbing up the mountain or making your way back down, that you will be carrying that light as your own and that you'll let it shine. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, Down From the Mountain, recorded at our February the 23rd service of worship at East Church, where I hasten to add, you are always invited to join us at our Sunday services that happen every week at 10 a.m. at the church, located on 51 Mountain Road here in beautiful Concord, New Hampshire. We really would love to have the chance to welcome you in person. And with that, we come to the end of this episode of Love to Tell the Story. I'm Michael Lowry, and I thank you so much for listening. I thank you also for your continued support of this podcast. And until next time, whether you happen to be going up the mountain or coming down, may God bless you with a great day. Talk to you soon.